Hello, and welcome back to the Kimberly Lovey podcast. I am your host, Kimberly Lovey. You guys, I'm on maternity leave. <laughs> so I I don't even know where I've been. I Actually, I do know where I've been. I've been home. And um, the baby is 10 weeks old yesterday, and I cannot believe it because it feels like it's been a year that I've been in this dark, dark space of newborn land. So yeah, um, let's just catch up, shall we? I think we shall. Um, so today I just wanted to check in. A lot has happened since we last spoke. And I will also say my baby is napping, baby London. And she is like excellent at doing these like bizarre five minute cat naps and then wakes up like as if she's literally like a whole new person. So if I have to pause and you hear her wake up from the monitor, that's what's going on. <sighs> okay, so let's see where we've been. Um, gosh, so much has been going on. So basically, London, how's London doing? London is great. She, we've been through the, oh my God, we've been through everything that you basically forget about when you have, after you've had a newborn. So I call this first three months, the dark period, because I know some people call it the fourth trimester. I call it the dark period because you literally don't remember any of it. It's like you black out. So, um, we have our old nanny back, Becky, and she's here in the capacity of a night nurse for three months. So we're losing her in about two, three weeks. And she has been so helpful. I basically paid her to allow me to sleep. And, um, so thank God we were able to do that because I need to function for the older kids also. So it's been kind of crazy to, um, you know, have her back and be back in this newborn phase. All I do 24 seven is pump and like try and keep my kids alive. Like I was literally sharing on Instagram. If you guys follow me that my daily goals now consist of taking a shower, keeping my kids alive and an extra bonus if I can take a walk and that's about it. So that's basically where we're at. We're just in this newborn land. Baby London is stretching about six, seven hours overnight, which is great. And I'm almost exclusively pumping because it just helps me with scheduling the baby. So she's feeding about five, five and a quarter ounces every four to five hours. And she's not a big baby. So this kind of method helps her to stretch overnight because she's fuller longer and it also just helps me schedule and know how much feeding she's gotten and so yeah so that's kind of I've been almost exclusively pumping which is not at all what I thought I'd be doing but it's just it's just easier it's like more efficient so that when she's screaming and crying I'm not wondering oh my gosh is she hungry it's like I know for sure she's not hungry so what is it and um yeah, so in this baby, she's had reflux. She, um, she's had it worse. I mean, Brian seems to think that Charlotte's reflux was worse, but we never did anything to help Charlotte with reflux. She just would spit up all the time, and that was that. But this baby, we've been, like, you know, trying to elevate her and got her medication and all this other stuff. So she's doing great. Her reflux has mostly subsided. Um, I did get mastitis, which, by the way, I had never had with the first two and this baby oh my goodness okay mastitis is horrible it was I think it might have been slightly worse than COVID which you guys know from my prior episodes that I got COVID really really bad when I was pregnant 
um, you can hear the live um, like recordings of those or whatever. I did the COVID diaries, three parts. So you guys can listen to those. They're really quick. Um, but what happened was one morning, this was like now maybe five weeks ago, but one morning I woke up and I was like, oh no, I do not feel good. I felt like I had the flu and I felt like I was going to pass out and I couldn't even sit up to pump. And I t- immediately texted Becky and Brian and I was like, oh my God, I might pass out. Like, I think I have mastitis and my boob was really sore and it was like horrible. I ended up with like 103 fever with, that was with, it was 102.7 and that was with Motrin. And that was also when I had already started the antibiotic. So I had acted really quickly and within like three hours I had gotten the antibiotic, but I was still so sick. It comes on super fast. If you guys haven't had it, it's horrible. Like I did everything to get the clog out. And then I finally like you apply heat and you massage it and like your boob just kills and you just feel so sick and it's just like having the flu and it just comes on so hard and so fast and it's just nuts. So, um, that went on for about seven days, but I was really, really sick for like the first, you know, 24 to 48 hours for the most part. And thank God Becky was there cause she kind of helped us like navigate through it and then icing it ended up helping too to like calm the inflammation um so if you guys haven't had that I never had it but it's way worse than I imagined and I seriously almost went to the hospital and actually that that's a great segue into what happened so Brian was actually going to go on a work trip the next day when I had like the worst night of mastitis and he, not to get too graphic, but was basically like massaging and like really trying to help me. And so was Becky. And it was like this whole thing. And he was going to cancel his trip, but they were going to the East Coast to do some, um, like for like a work trip, basically. So he was going to cancel the trip. And I'm like, no, don't cancel it. You need to go. So he went. And over that trip, his cat, Bluto, I call it his cat. I'll tell you all about it. So his cat ended up getting really, really sick. So basically what happened was when I married Brian, he had a cat. Why did he have a cat, you ask? So he was in law school and he wanted to have some kind of animal because law school's like horribly dangerous. (laughs) It's horribly lonely and he was working really hard and he couldn't get a dog in his complex in San Diego. He went to USD for law school. Yes, he's a lawyer. And basically he had this cat and he ended up naming him Bluto, which is like, he's a gray and white cat and with green eyes. And he named him after a character in Animal House. So Bluto with the B, not Pluto. So anyway, so when I met Brian, he had already had Bluto for like, gosh, like eight years or something. And so he kind of came with the territory. And so I've always said, oh, he's my step kitten son like my step cat you know like I'm the stepmom because I could already tell that as soon as I came in the picture Bluto was like hey who's this girl like this is my man like this is my turf this is definitely like not you're not it it's he's mine you know and so I he he never really fully fully warmed up to me like he liked me because I started feeding him and taking care of him a little bit but he I always say it's Brian's cat it's definitely Brian's first baby So what happened was about a year and a half. So Bluto is 19. So about a year and a half ago on New Year's Eve going into 2021, from 2020 to 2021, he had a stroke. And so Bluto had a stroke and he started walking like sideways. And then that New Year's Eve, Brian had to like drive him into the 
pet urgent care and had to drop him off because like COVID and it was just crazy. He was like in his car for hours. And anyway, for the last year and a half, I mean, they were basically saying, put down the cat, like you could put him down. And Brian's like, no, no, he has time. So Brian's been like giving him like IV fluids every week because he has like kidney failure and like all this stuff going on for like a year and a half. But meanwhile, the cat has done relatively well, but he's old. I mean, he's really old. 19 is like super old for a cat. And he basically just as Brian left for his trip, cut to, you know, a couple weeks back, I noticed like Bluto's not, he doesn't seem to be walking. He hasn't eaten anything. And so I FaceTime Brian and I'm like, something's not right. And he's like, no, he's fine. And of course I'm like, no, look, he doesn't even walk. And I stood him up and of course I'm FaceTiming Brian. And of course Bluto starts walking. Brian's like, he's fine. I'm like, uh, okay, I don't think so. And so I'm like, okay, well, Brian will be back in a couple days. Like it, it'll be fine. Maybe he's just depressed. Brian's gone. Cause he, he does tend to do that. So anyway, cut to like the night before Brian's supposed to get home. And I'm like, Becky, something's wrong with this cat. Like I stood him up in the litter and he literally puked like white stuff, like a couple times and then like keeled over. And it was so sad. Like I was literally like, oh my God, what is going on? This is not good. And so then Becky was like, and I'm like, yeah, now he's peeing on himself. And Becky and my mother-in-law are like, okay, as soon as a cat does that, it's over. If they stop eating and they start peeing on themselves, that's it. So I'm like, oh my God, Brian's never going to forgive me if I lose his cat, like the week he's gone. So I'm like praying. I'm getting up at like four in the morning. By now, Bluto can't even meow. He can't cry. He can't walk. He's not eating. He is peeing on himself. It's like horrible. And so I'm like in, like up in the middle of the night, like at four in the morning, like praying to God, like I'm afraid to even check on him because I'm like, oh my God, what if he's not breathing? And so long story short, he makes it through the night and I immediately get him to the cat doctor. And so we take him there and they're like, okay, they end up calling us, giving him like tons of fluid. Turns out he has like a severe kidney infection. Like it, like his labs were fine a week ago and now it's just, he's, he's just not doing well. And so they bring him home and I'm like, Brian's going to get home tonight. Let me just make sure that he can like, I just need to get, keep Bluto like in good enough condition so that Brian can come home and evaluate things and decide what to do. So Brian gets home really late. Um, Bluto did look much better after he, he, after he had received all those fluids. So Brian like sees him. He's like, okay, he's not like that bad. I'm like, Brian, he is bad. And so the doctor's calling him, he's calling me. And like, I'm telling the doctor, I'm like, you need to tell Brian that like, this is like not good. Like he needs to make the right decision for the animal. And you know, it's very devastating, very upsetting for everybody. And then, but like the doctor doesn't want to push Brian cause he knows Brian loves his cat. So cut to like a, a day or two goes by and Brian's like on the phone with the doctor and like got him antibiotics and all this stuff. And Brian's like, okay, so now it's Thursday. And Brian's like, so he got home Tuesday, Wednesday goes by, Brian's monitoring him. He's like, I'm going to take him in Friday morning, first thing. So now it's Thursday and it becomes about seven o'clock and my mom's over and I'm talking to my mom and I go upstairs quickly and then like to go to the bathroom or something. And then Brian's like, Bluto's not doing well. I'm like, what? He's like, and so I run downstairs. I'm like, mom, I think Bluto's going to pass tonight. Like I need to, I need to go. So she leaves. Brian's like, he has labored breathing. We need to like put him down tonight. And I'm like, what? 
And so I just was like blindsided because initially we were just going to take him in in the morning, you know? And he had even said, oh, I'll, maybe I'll put him down on Sunday. And like, keep in mind, like Brian, like never cries or anything. He's so like stoic like that, but he was like upset. And so I'm like, oh my God, we haven't prepared the kids. Like I, like it was sort of like, I hate to say out of left field, but it kind of was like, so I just was very direct with the kids and I was like, kids, Bluto's probably going to pass tonight. Like he's, and they're like, what do you mean? Like, he's going to die. I'm like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to go to heaven. And Charlotte immediately starts just bawling, bawling. And then Carter starts like being hyperactive almost and like misbehaving, which I guess is a deflection. He's like deflecting and Charlotte is just bawling. And I'm like, come, let's go say goodbye. She's screaming. This is going on for like an hour. Brian's on the phone trying to get in touch with um, a veterinarian that can come to your house and do, and do it. Oh God, I'm going to get upset. Sorry. So anyway, so then the cat, the kids were like reading to the cat and like giving him cuddles and we're taking pictures and Brian's devastated. I'm just kind of keeping it together. We finally get the kids to go to bed and that was just so upsetting though. Like how to explain it to them and all this kind of stuff. And, um, so so I'm like, the, they're like, where, how's he going to go? I'm like, the doctor's going to come and take him, you know, and he's going to go to heaven. And like, we kind of kept it simple, but like we were direct also. And I was like preparing for the next day to like answer questions. But I just was like frantically trying to get them down to bed because it was already like 830, which is very late. And the doctor was going to come over at like nine or like 930. So I didn't want them to sit to like be there. And so, um, so the kids go to sleep. And, um, the vet comes over at like nine 30 and I mean, I was like starting to get really emotional, which was crazy because I didn't feel like I had the deepest connection, but like, I still obviously love the cat, but like he wasn't my cat per se, but he's been in my life for like 10, 12 years, you know? So, and also just seeing Brian so upset is like devastating. I know it's like his little baby. And so that was, I think probably the most upsetting part of it, like seeing and knowing how much it hurts him. So we bring Bluto downstairs on his little kitty bed and Brian puts him on his lap and the vet comes and she's wearing a mask and scrubs and she's like this beautiful woman and she's, she's like, I've been doing this for 22 years and she's just like the sweetest woman and we have like the lights really dim. It's like dark outside. It's, you know, the lights are like, like really dim lights in there and then she's like, okay, I'm going to give four shots basically. Like one is to like sedate him. One is to like drown out all the noise and it's the medication we give the cats during fourth of july for the fireworks so they don't get upset the third shot is propothal and which by the way propothal is the most amazing drug um i had to do it during my egg retrieval and so i was like oh go bluto i love that one and then the fourth one is an overdose of a barbiturate and so she basically does it all through like one line you know so she like does the line in his leg and he's just like laying there and, um, so, um, it was just like so emotional, but like also beautiful at the same time, because I've never experienced like a soul passing. I'm like really spiritual. So I just, I was just 
I don't know. It was just very, it was, I've never experienced anything like it. And, um, you know, she puts the line in and it's like, she does it so well. Even Brian was like, wow, that was amazing. Like, so he was in no pain and she's walking us through each shot. Like, sorry. And, um, as she's giving the medications, like Brian's saying his goodbye. I said, Brian, say good boy, Bluto, good boy, because that's always what Brian would say to Bluto and, like, pet his head, like, in between his ears, you know, on the top of his head, and, like, he'd say, good boy, Bluto, good boy, and I just was imagining I was, like, the cat, and I could hear, like, Brian's voice, and he kept saying, Brian, tell him good boy. <laughs> it was, like, so emotional, and, oh, I forgot I, I forgot that Brian decided to do it because Bluto had labored breathing. And my friend Deanna, who has been working in the vet field for like 20 or 30 years, she she told us like she I was texting her too. And she was like telling us who to contact and stuff. So anyway, um, when the vet came, Brian wanted to make sure it was the right thing to do. And she's like, yes, this is labored breathing. Like we need to, this is the right time. And like the woman was so nice. It was like almost a spiritual experience. And we said our goodbyes and she said okay this is the last this is the last one he's gonna transition and Brian's like what do you mean like transition I'm like really Brian I know what tra like you don't understand so she's like you know transition over to the other side and when she did it like his eyes stayed open but like his soul just left his body and Brian was just he picked him up and held him like a baby and it was just it was beautiful and sad you know all at once and just it was so much more emotional than I expected myself to be and then the vet she ended up like taking parts of his hair like shaving it off and then bottling it up and it had and we could save it as like a timepiece and then she takes the body she wraps him up in a blanket kind of like you'd swaddle a little baby and like you know we say our goodbyes and she takes him and puts him in the trunk of her car <laughs> but it was like her back seats were down you know so it was like a nice big space for him and she covered him in like a plastic covering and then took him to be cremated <sighs> sorry it's just really emotional and then anyway it was beautiful and I feel like he got like the best passing he could get but it was really hard and um we did receive the box back of his ashes and everything and I was so prepared to like talk to the kids more about it and they ended up not even asking they just in the morning they said I want to see Bluto and I said he's gone they said where'd he go and I said the doctor took him and that was it <laughs> so I was very worried and I was like googling like how to explain cremation to the kids and like you're supposed to say like they you heat that his body will be heated up and you don't talk about it like it's him you talk in terms of the body 
And so anyway, we didn't even get to that surprisingly. And um, the kids ended up being okay. And they have the little time sake of his hair. <sighs> anyway, so that was sort of like back to back crazy. Like we went from mastitis to then Bluto passing. And um, it was just hard. It was a hard couple days. It's hard to not have him here and like, you know, when you have an animal, there's all these little things you do. Like we always couldn't close our bathroom door in our bedroom because his litter was there. And like now when you can like close the door all the way, it's like sad, you know, like when you walk into our bedroom, he's not sitting in his little bed and like you expect to see him and you look down, he's not there. And it's just like all these little things that you like you miss and like it just brings on sadness. And like me and Brian cried so much. <laughs> but I think I even cried more and I was so surprised. And Brian's like, you know, I've been grieving him for a, a long time. But I was like, I didn't even know I loved him so much. So that was that was part of our last couple weeks. And that was really tough. Okay. Let's take a break from that and switch gears to other stuff. So all right. Whew. All right. So guess what? We did have our very first date night, which was epic. So Becky babysat all three kids one night and they started watching this show called The Masked Singer, which if you don't know it, it's like kind of, I think it's kind of weird, but like Oddly, it does, you do get entertained and like Jenny McCarthy's on it and Nicole Scherzinger and Ken Jung and um, Robin Thicke, I think. Is that the right one? Anyway, it's kind of a weird show, but my kids love it and Becky watches it with them. So they were watching that show when we left and it was a fundraiser event that we went to for our kids' new school. And so we were really excited to go because we are going to be new to the school in the fall and so it was exciting to get to go and like maybe meet some of the parents and but it was like it's the whole school k through 12 so we got there and it was at the ronald reagan presidential library and it's like gorgeous views and just beautiful museum and so we get there and basically we check in and we look down and it's like a whole cocktail hour going on and we kind of showed up late but before you go down to the cocktail hour, you actually walk through Air Force One, which so it's one of the airplanes that had been rode the most by like that airplane has been used by the most presidents and ridden the most number of times. And so they they didn't donate the plane. It's on loan from the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force. So we got to walk through it and see how like a president travels or at least how they did, um, you know, many years ago. So that was really cool just to see and like, you know, even the map on the wall was like, you could see it says like Soviet Union, like an old map. And it was just interesting. It holds like 50 people. And um, I started to ask more questions from the guide and there was like a ton. I mean, there must have been three, four hundred people there at least. But as we're walking through, because we were kind of late, they kind of rushed us through and said, oh, we don't have time to like give you the full spiel. You need to get down to the cocktail hour because they're going to start seating people. So I didn't really get the full history. So I would like to go back, but it was very cool to see. And basically I have like one friend at that school. And so I was really nervous to go. And so we get to the cocktail hour. I'd spotted my friend, but 
I had spotted her like earlier when we were like um like higher up and so I couldn't find her anyway so we go to the bar and I'm like okay I'm not I haven't been drinking really because you know I'm nursing and all that stuff so I go I'm like you know a dirty martini sounds great so I order it and I have a sip I'm like nope I am not ready for that like far too strong so then Brian like tries to get ice and he, and he was driving too by the way and I sip it again. I'm like, definitely not. So like I put it down, didn't even end up having a drink. Brian ends up having a beer. He's like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the one drinking, like not me, you know? And so, um, so then we end up like meeting some of the administration and they're like, in, they're like introducing us to people and we meet some of the teachers and there's just so many people there. And it was the first time Brian and I have been somewhere where we knew like nobody initially like we walked in we know we knew zero people which is so weird because the school we're at currently I'm very involved I'm on the board we love the people we know everyone it's like the best families it's just awesome like we just know everybody and it's just like so amazing you know and like we just feel like we're with like all of our best friends and so it was just like weird you know we definitely felt like fish out of water but it was also kind of exciting like wow this is you know a new beginning kind of a thing so that was an interesting family family feeling um and then we ended up running into our friends like just before it was time to go down oh and by the way I looked over and I'm like is that Ken Jung like from the mass singer you know from um from uh what is that thing called whatever look him up he oh from the hangover and the hangover Two, and you know anyway so he was wearing this like purple suit that looked like ron burgundy's suit and so we brian and i were laughing but we're like that's random why is he here turns out his kids go to the, the same school so we get our table number and again i'm like oh and one other thing during the cocktail hour i spotted somebody that i knew from high school and i'm like wait a minute is that so and so from high school like wow i you know, that's crazy. I, I think that's her. And so we go and we sit down at our table and she's at our table. I'm like, that was you. That is you. Hey, like, do you remember? And so we like had this connection and that was really funny and like fun to catch up. We played soccer together and um, I got to meet her husband and she has four kids. And then over the period of like this dinner, over the course of this dinner, like they're serving the appetizer and we end up realizing like we had friends from our old school that also moved to this school so we met them so like over the course of time we start one by one figuring out we know people in the room and then we knew like some of these like old board members that are family friends and then one of the ex-mayors of Calabasas that we're friends with and so like we just kind of throughout the time ended up not only meeting all these awesome new people but like kind of also realizing we had a lot more connections to the school than we realized so that was kind of you know it made us feel more at ease and like it was super fun meeting the new families like really impressive people just down to earth very smart people like cool and you know it's just fun to get to socialize with other parents because as you guys all probably remember, like when you're in the first couple years of having kids, like it's very isolating, like even COVID aside, like you're home with your kid, you know, your kid isn't at school yet. They're not in any activities yet. And so it was just really, it's really fun to get to this stage. And I keep telling my sister this too, because her son is two years old. Happy birthday, Skylar, by the way, my nephew, it was just his birthday a couple of days ago. So, you know, they still are like in that like young, young baby stage. And I'm like, just wait till your kid is in school and starts doing sports and activities like your social circle will like re-explode again. 
So um, it's just fun being at this stage, like, you know, having our kids being like almost five and six. And um, so, yeah, so it just, it was great. And then, so then they did an auction, which was awesome. And that was really fun to observe. And then they had the band train, you know, hey, soul sister, on the radio. Okay, anyway, I'll spare you. You guys know. And then they sing Marry Me and they sing all these awesome you know, songs. And so they played like four songs and we were like going crazy, me and my friend, like, and I mean, Brian was even like smiling, kind of dancing a little bit, which he doesn't really dance, but it was just so fun. And then the night ended and like, we go up to our valet, we get our car and like said goodbye to some friends. And it was just like, it didn't drag on too long. I was cracking up with some moms, like, um, you know, I did have my hand pump with me because I needed to be nursing like pumping so I was trying to pump in the car on the way home but it wasn't very successful and it was just like so much fun to go there and then um okay here's the really embarrassing part of this story so I had RSVP'd and I was I remember when I was doing it I was kind of like in a rush and I remember that I was like are we supposed to pay for this that like I didn't get it because there was this one thing like if you want to donate further or something so anyway I was like okay whatever so I realized later I re-looked at it. I'm like, oh my God, we were supposed to pay and we didn't. So I go to email them and I realized they had emailed me saying, oh, are you guys coming? And I'm like, oh, I just saw this. Um, yes, we went to the event. And by the way, we did not pay for our tickets. I am so sorry. We're new to the school. I didn't know how this works. Like, how can we pay? So embarrassing. So LOL, that ended up being um, something we resolved, but hello. Yeah, like that was not free. So that was really fun. It was obviously worth every penny and we were, you know, very happy to donate and all that stuff. But um, so that was like our big night out. So that was the night before Mother's Day. And to all you moms listening, I just wanted to say again, happy, happy Mother's Day. And um, what else? I think that's like our major updates. We are losing Becky in about two to three weeks because she's going to move on. She kind of doesn't do like full full-blown nannying anymore she only does like because she's a newborn care specialist so that means like night nurse basically that she can do so she kind of goes and does these like short bouts with families and gets their kids sleep trained and then moves on so she'll stay with a family for like three to five months so I've been trying to get her on but she seems to be a little bit nervous about it but I want her to come on and talk to you guys because she's amazing at anything to do with children so I would love for you to hear her. She's so amazing. She's so smart. She knows everything there is to know at all ages about kids and babies. And I mean, she's, man, she's amazing. And again, she had lived with us for two years when I was working and traveling and she sleep trained or nap trained Charlotte. She potty trained my kids. Um, we always joke that it's like my kids, like real mother. I'll be like, Becky, when did Charlotte first do this milestone I'll be like hold on let me ask your your real mother and I have to call Becky and be like what was Charlotte's first word like she remembers all these things because I wasn't there yeah anyway we laugh about it but um so hopefully she'll be on soon so tune into that you guys and I'm just so happy I had 30 minutes to actually check in and my baby's now up so I gotta run I love you guys thank you so much for listening please rate me five stars and follow me on Instagram as well and give any feedback. And um, I love talking to you guys. So don't be bashful, reach out and have a great rest of your day. Bye.